Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreaux, joined by my lovely co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? It's going great, Serge. It really is. It's been an interesting week. I'm feeling hopeful because we've got, I think we may even see some green grass. I don't know, but things are starting to look a little more hopeful. And I was just thinking, so I've been a, a year in my new house. Okay. And I was thinking, wow, okay, what was I doing a year ago? Because we were just starting to talk, like we've got a year coming up here. We do. We do. Can you believe it's been almost a year? And we started talking about this podcast, I think in, in around May, like right after the pandemic, even though this wasn't planned before. So almost a year. So at wow. this time last year, what were you doing? Were you moving into your new house? Yeah. You know, I was pretty much settled. And okay. that was right when all I heard anybody talk about was Tiger King. Did you remember? I do remember Tiger King and I thought it was phenomenal. I fell in love with it the minute I watched it. But you know what I really fell in love with the country music that he sang. I drove my wife crazy playing that music all the time because it was so horrible, but also so great. Oh, think about it. If you did that to me, Serge, I'd probably have smothered you in your sleep. Oh my God. I think she attempted a couple of times. Oh, I wouldn't blame her. So it's spring break this week. So the kids are on um, spring break right now. My daughter and I are, we like to binge kind of genres. So what we're doing right now is we're binging late seventies, early eighties horror movies. And why do you do that? I know. Why would anyone do that? Do you know what? It's actually pretty cool to watch some of these old movies. Like I'm not horror slasher, blood guts, but suspense movies. So last night, I watched Alien from 1979 with Sigourney Weaver. And I was just like, man, she's the original badass bitch. Oh my God. Like there, it was so unusual to have a female heroine. Was Alien 1979? I couldn't believe wow. it either. I couldn't so believe 40, it either. Like, 41 years. That was the year I was born. So, wow. And yes, how many? 1979. How many aliens were there? Like three, four? Oh, I think there was four because in total, like movies, you mean? Because I think the latest one, like Sigourney Weaver is 60s or something. And so she plays a different role. That's our spring break activity. I'm not surprised by you actually liking that genre. I can't say that I'm a fan. I actually despise horror movies because... I get scared really easily. And no, I'm kidding. They're generally really bad acting. So let's put it in perspective. And I I do get scared. And I I want to be able to sleep. I don't want to go fall in bed with my oldest daughter because I'm scared. Yeah, daddy's scared. Can I sleep with you? That doesn't really work. So Uh, well, that's interesting. And it's our anniversary is coming. Our first episode was May 12th. And there is so much exciting news that we're working on that I've been just dropping some hints. But one of them- Little breadcrumbs. Exactly. I hope our audience is picking up on this because we got some great stuff coming. Exactly. Not starting next week, but the week after we're starting a new format with interviews being on Tuesdays and the Shelly and Surge show being on Fridays, where we talk about everything recruitment, really interesting things as far as what's going on in the market right now, Mm. but also we'll just shoot the shit as we usually do. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun in that end. So 
Today, what are we going to talk about? This is two episodes in a row that it's just me and you, and we're trying to get really good at it so we can continue this pace. We're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff this week. This one was an interesting one because Shelly came to me and told me she wanted to talk about this. And I don't know if anyone has ever heard of Tengai. Tengai is really interesting because it's kind of video interviewing, and we're going to dig in Mm -hmm. deeper. Yes. We are also going to talk about why retention is the number one recruiting tactic that you should be looking at right now. We're going to talk about candidate ghosting. It's a really hot market in some sectors. So Mm -hmm. how do you avoid candidate ghosting you, which is a major problem in, in a hot economy. So we'll talk about that. Then shock yesterday, I get a news article that says that Google is accelerating working from the office. And I really want to talk about that subject because some of the key elements of uh, Mm -hmm. the articles that I read, including they're going to ask anyone that wants to work more that I believe 14 days a year has to get permission and there's restrictions around it, which it shocked me. So I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. But first of all, let's jump in. Tell me about 10 guy. Okay, so Tengai is a technology developed over in Europe. I remember first hearing about it not too long after real conversational AI was announced, I think by whether it was Surrey or, or whatever. And I thought, you know what, someday this is going to be introduced into the recruitment segment. So in 2018, Tengai came out with an interview robot. And it was a little bit creepy, not, it's a little bit of a horror movie. I can see why I don't think Serge would be much in favor of this because it was like somebody's head on a table (laughs) and you would talk to it and it would talk back to you, but it actually had facial expressions as well. So it was really meant to completely simulate a a human conversation. Yeah. If you're not a favor of suspenseful horror sci-fi movies, (laughs) you're not going to tend gay, but that's really where it started was digital interviewing and the the whole idea. This was long before COVID, right? The whole idea was to um, reduce bias in interviewing because it's not a human being. It was a, a robot, right? Yeah. So long come the pandemic and it seems every company is looking for virtual hiring. Remote interviews have exploded. There's been so much discussion around bias happening, even in video interviewing. And so Tengai announced an app. And this is what I wanted to talk about because unlike one-way interviews, 10 guy took their um, software and they put it on an interview uh, format or platform, but unlike pre-recorded video interviews, it gives the candidate a unique two-way interactive experience. And it uses conversational AI in real time. And I've heard podcasts where they are demonstrating this I have seen how they do it live. And of course, because Tengai is based in Sweden, it wasn't yet available in English, but they have now introduced to the English speaking market. They will even go so far as to provide different voices of who responds to you. So I think I'd take an interview if say, if it was maybe Tom Cruise's voice (laughs) or (laughs) I know who you'd definitely take an interview from. Tell me. What was his name? His name? Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I, I like him as an actor, but I'm not sure Didn't I would have a guy crush on him. him. I have a guy crush on a lot of people, <laughs> but 
I don't know how we would go in an interview and be like, all right, all right, let's exactly. do this. I, I don't would know. That I, actually, that fun? would be really cool. I think would that would not be amazing. have the absolute cool factor. Yeah. So there's the difference, right? Ten Guy has taken their all of their advanced technology that they built the robot on, and they've now put it on an app for your iPhone. The yeah, which real... The oh, difference, though, is that it is two-way. It is not a one-way conversation. Interesting. And give a little bit more background because I've actually followed Tengai for a long time because I thought it was really cool. Because one of the things that they did, and you're right, is horror movie, but in reality, creepy. <laughs> yeah, the complication with anything with robots is hard to put it the facial context and how things change and how they react. So they will actually nod their head. They will actually say yes and they actually based on your answer will be able to ask to elaborate more which is really cool the technology is amazing this was built by a pure robotics company i think it was mm. called fur hat technologies that then joined with a massive staffing firm in sweden and this is where tangai really came and launched but the other interesting there is competition on top of tangai there's four other major competitors with a very similar product so one is called alex Hubert, which interesting name, Ella and Faye are four different that are very similar to Tengai. So you say it's two-way. I'm really curious. And based on the conversation we had with Matt Wedge, which you basically tore him a new asshole on a couple of different points. <laughs> and if I went on Tengai's <sighs> website and it's like, what's the benefit of this? What are the key elements? The two first things that they measure is a way more efficient. You can meet a lot more candidates than you can if you did it by person. That was their number one point. And it gives more time for human relations because the recruiter can interact with the candidates at the end of the funnel, which they say is the most critical time. I'm not sure about that. but So those are the two points. The two points that you tore Matt on was extremely inhumane. You're not talking to a person and you were pretty clear in that point. Mm-hmm. And the other one saying is, it's actually the opposite for the recruiter. It's not giving the candidate a better experience because they're not getting that relationship from the start. And now you're telling me, and by the way, I like 10 guys, so don't get me wrong. You're telling me <laughs> that a robot interviewing me is not a more inhumane type of situation. Tell me why. So have you've heard the recordings, right? You've I heard have. the live interviews and I was shocked that it wasn't a human. It was so interactive. Yes. Like when you're talking to Alexa, do you think it's a real person, even though (laughs) she talks like a real person? So let's put this in context. I hear you. So let me answer that. So here's the difference with looking at a screen that is not interactive, right? As a human being, having something interactive is how we're built as humans. When I'm looking at a screen, reading an interview question, and there's a timer in the corner, giving me three minutes to answer this question. How is that a good experience? I know you're a big fan of it. I know Matt's all over social media pumping his own tires about how candidates love it because they're what they'd rather not deal with a human. Okay. I get that. Maybe some percentage of the population doesn't want to deal with humans. Fair enough. But I think by and large, the biggest benefit of 10 guys, the fact that it is a conversation no different than a phone interview, 
only it, yes, there is, there is software and it's artificial intelligence. Yeah. So yeah, there is that unique cool factor to it. There you know, is like a really you, cool factor. Yes. I, I do love a lot of key elements with it. So if we look at the key elements, as far as it is that interaction, it does everything that video interview does and more in a lot yep. of contexts, as far yeah. as you can do it on your own time. It saves times for the recruitment team, all the benefits that I've said for video interviewing, but I'm really nervous or, or skeptical on it is the biggest selling point. It takes complete unbiased out of the equation. So there's no chit chat. There's no charisma won't get you through the interview, which the great majority of the time charisma is the difference between you getting a job offer or not and how well you interview which is why salespeople interview really well. If you're interviewing a salesperson and they don't do well, yeah, they're probably not going to be a good hire. So yes, <laughs> that's very true. But the things that I'm concerned about is, so to your earlier point about dehumanizing, some of the things I've read on it is, as a human being, being rejected by a bot, how dehumanizing is that? Compared to a video interviewing, you are being rejected by, by a human a person, <laughs> by yes, a human. You yes, so, you are. How, how do you feel about that? What's your thoughts about how dehumanizing it is to get rejected by a computer? I think you bring up an awesome point. I think we would also want to think a little deeper about bias. One of the things that, and yes, I'm, I am smoke bombing you here. <laughs> Change the subject. <laughs> but so bias, remember when Matt brought up bias? Yep. In our interview with him, I believe bias can only be, you need to address it more deeply than just somebody on interviews. And now you've got a record of the fact that you're a racist versus the 10 guy software they claim has removed bias so that what they are getting is a fair interview yeah. without the hiring manager taking into consideration age, gender, race, and really how they scored for the interview. That truly is, I think, the first step. Do I believe it will be challenged over time? Yes, I think it is. It will absolutely be challenged. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, like to your point though, and, and putting that in why I'm still skeptical, HireView said they they had a tool that was unbiased. We did not uh, Amazon they took it off the market, had, right? They they took off that yeah. uh, function off the market. Amazon built this AI tool that was at a different phase. So don't get me wrong. Yeah. This is more resume reviewing where they removed the unbiased. That didn't work well because there was clear bias after they saw the data on it. So I am still skeptical about that. But yeah. in reality, first of all, I am about anything right now that can get through as many candidates as possible to try to best fit. And I think there's benefit for the candidate. I'm not wasting their time getting an answer. And for the company as well, just the volume is going to get bigger in the recruitment space. So I'm a fan of Tengai, but I don't think it's that different from video interviewing. I think it's funny because the arguments you use video interviewing, you're, you're countering those arguments now in that point. So, but... I'm used to that. I'm used to you not having clear arguments. Sticking to your oh my guns. God. Oh my God. You're brutal. So, Listen, you're missing the point. Then the point is that the 10 gay app is interactive. Is it 10 gay or 10 guy? It's T E N G A I. So if we have it wrong and anyone that knows, yeah, could somebody Tengai, please chime please in on correct that? Us I thought it was case. 10 guy. Or Ten, ten, oh, then, but you're the one calling it 10 gay. I'm looking at it on paper and, re, and thinking, oh, geez, 
Okay. Let's call Ellen, the CEO. We'll ask. Yeah. Let's call her. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call her and ask her, like, could you pronounce this in English for us? So for everyone listening, definitely do check it out. And I think it's really interesting to see the real life robot they had and how basically it's exactly the same face in this app they're using for these video interviews. So they've just basically put that forefront as far as that reaction. So it's really cool. Either way you look at it, is it the future of recruitment or is it just something cool that we want to talk about? I think that's yet to be determined. I'm really curious how the unbiased is going to work. And I'm really curious on how candidates are going to react to it. Getting rejected by a bot is one of the things that people are deeply concerned when it comes to video interviewing. I want to do one more point then and we're going to move to the next topic. So mention about the user experience on video interviewing candidate experience. The interesting thing is I found a bunch of survey that talked that net promoter score is around 60, high 60s to low 70s, which is very high for people doing video interviews and actually liking their experience. So there is hard data that shows that it's actually a positive in the market. So for you, I think you need to research that because I think you're taking a couple of people that really hated it, which happens, and you're making that the norm. I don't think that's the case. But no, don't <laughs> I don't get to respond. No, no response. I think you're responding on one industry sector. I do. I, I think your take on this is based on one job family or a job family. No, this research is okay. Across okay. The wide net. Bring so, me the numbers. So what I want to talk about, and I know you're passionate about this, and I think mm-hmm. we're both passionate is when we talk about we're going into a play and we talked about last episode where what 70% of the people are looking to move to another job after the pandemic, which is going to create massive pressure in an already tight market. So I've always said this, you cannot out-recruit yourself out of bad retention. And there's going to be bad retention that's going to happen in even really good organization just based on a change. So any advice for all our TA HR people that are listening as far as how can we look at people and making sure that we're retaining that top talent and we're not getting a high attrition numbers? So answer me this, first of all, is this an HR issue or is this a leadership issue? Who owns this responsibility in your mind? I think any employee retention, I I always think it's the managers, it's the leadership, but HR needs to be able to support them. How it affects talent acquisition is if they fuck up, who's fixing their mess? It's talent acquisition. So we have a vested interest to do whatever we can to help them. Mm -hmm. Mm Because as we know, it's a lot harder to find top level talent than keep it. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Oh, I absolutely agree. And so one of the things I know has always been a a great piece of advice that I've used and would always give, and that is you need to stay plugged into the candidate market and you need to, obviously we are right, but that information is useless. If you don't share it, I believe it is your responsibility to make sure that your hiring leaders are getting what you're seeing in the market what you're hearing from candidates, and you need to ensure that you're feeding that information up. And I caution this because my only caution on this would be that you're not an alarmist and that you actually take an approach of finding patterns. So to get to talk to one candidate who, yes, of course, they've got maybe 
everything that we ever dreamed of. And plus they're a supermodel and a former athlete, right? Okay. So take that out of the equation, take the outliers out, but pay attention to what you are hearing from candidates in the market. Are you interviewing elsewhere and make sure you're sending that information back to HR and your HR business partners and your hiring managers. Make sure that they're aware because as we talked about, if salaries have jumped and you and I saw this data, this is not you and I just going speculation. No, Canadian data seeing even from February until March 21st, there has been a jump in the tech sector as high as 38% increase in wages. Now, if your hiring managers don't know that, shame on you. As as a talent acquisition person, shame on you. Your hiring managers are depending on you because if we lose somebody, guess what it's going to cost to replace them? Exactly. And I think that's one of the biggest issues. If we look at top performers, they're generally ambitious. And I'm not telling anyone that's in HR doesn't know this is it's always looking at growth opportunities and how you can map their career out is going to be one of the elements to make sure that you keep them and you keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. The one that I always find interesting is the compensation side. A lot of companies, and I've heard this from hiring managers so many times, is well, the candidate was so concerned about the money. So I don't think he's a good fit. And I I turn back to that. We're talking about a corporation that cares about profit and you're going to judge a candidate trying to get the best they can. Um, So that's bullshit. Mm. The other factor that we're seeing is people are getting more money in other organizations. And that's happened throughout history. That hasn't- It has, yeah. To get a raise, you usually need to change organization. That's a fact- You're not going to get 20% a year staying in the same organizations, but this is in the tech sector anyways. And I think some other industries are, there's going to be a lagging effect, but it's going to be very similar as we come out with people being vaccinated. It was, I think we're going to see an increase there and we're going to see people trying to leave. So you should look at compensation of your top performers right now. And that might not be your role in talent acquisition, but to your point, Shelly, this is where you need to give them the data of what the candidates are mm-hmm. telling you. And it's pretty clear. If you are hiring, say, a software dev, 150000 last year was one hundred and ten. as if yeah. we look at the increases. That person you hired last year is making one hundred and ten. This is when we talk about pay transparency. People will figure that out internally and will leave for that money, especially when they feel they're being unfairly paid. I know the challenges around it. We talked about it last week. So I I completely agree with your point. You might not have responsibility as far as the retention side of it, but believe me, when they don't retain, it's on you and the pressure is going to be on talent acquisition. Really good uh, points there, Shelly. Yeah, you brought up some really good points there too, Serge, I think. Pretty smart. And you do know your shit. You do. That's obvious. That is obvious. Yeah, it is a challenge. And I love how you make the analogy, the company needs to make a profit. Because if the company's not making a profit, then none of us have a reason to be here. Totally. So that is the, the greatest fear is that wages start to creep into our profit margins. Yep. As simple as that. And so you need to make a choice. It's a business decision because those honestly, Serge, I think uh, you and I could probably race to the internet right now and figure out exactly what is the wages for software developers. 
You don't think that every software developer sitting in chairs at your office right now or at home is doing the same thing. They, yeah. they know that the market has jumped and it's as a, someone who's been in recruitment, as long as I have go ahead, I opened the door. He's not biting. I've seen this happen. And this is so whether it's IT talent or engineering talent or high temperature, high pressure vessel engineers, I've seen the same thing happen with different job families, supply and demand. It's a simple equation. So guess what's in high demand right now? It's exactly. where the supply is. Well, and I think that's a great segue to our, our next topic about candidate mm-hmm. ghosting. And we're not going to talk about this too much, but I think it's something as the economy gets hotter, we're going to start seeing more and more. And we see it in industries already, and we've seen it for years where we talk a lot about companies ghosting candidates. I uh-huh. think the, the vice versa happens quite a bit. And this has happened to me being in the trucking industry and hiring drivers where our, our ghosting rate on people showing up to interviews were 30 to 40%. We're going to start seeing this across all elements as the economy gets hotter, there's more hiring. But for you, what's your experience with candidate ghosting and any advice for companies that are trying to avoid getting ghosted by the candidate? So what's my experience with candidates ghosting? Do you know what? It's I'm really careful here because it's not really politically correct. What my experience, I find it to be regional. Okay. And I find that there are certain regions uh, more so in the U S and there are certain States where, and this is my personal experience and having recruited, not just one or two people we're talking many throughout the years, but a consistent experience of candidate dishonesty. I've done the test close. Is there anything else? Do you have another offer? If you do, that's okay. How does this line up? What are the factors that you're going to make your decision and string me along to the 11th hour and only to find out that they weren't honest with me? Now that I would say I have found more in recruiting in the U.S., Yep. Honestly, I, I'm sorry. And, and I, I, I know that's not politically correct. And I know I'm going to get slammed from Chad and cheese on that one, but maybe we're just more polite in Canada. It's a bit of drinking your own Kool-Aid here or a victim of our own circumstance because we've been ghosting candidates for years. We run an ad and people willingly give us all of their personal information, all of it. Here is all my personal information. And I'm going to leave my heart on the table here because I wrote a cover letter as well that may or may not ever get read. Probably if it's sent to me, it probably never got read. And I think that is representative of a lot of recruiters. I think about 50% will read a cover letter. I love cover letters myself because I think within the first 30, maybe even a third of a second, I can tell if it was custom or if it was template. Yeah. And if somebody really made the effort to write a letter, a cover letter, I will read it. So I agree. I've had way more challenges recruiting in the U.S. as far as ghosting compared to Canada. The numbers are staggeringly different of how much you oh, get. So I was. It wasn't just me. Of it, so. <laughs> I didn't know no, to no, tiptoe around that you. so much. Okay. But one of the things, and this is where you need to approach it in a couple of different ways. I'll give a couple of things that work for me and and might work for you as well. This is where text is key. With all the texting partners, you can actually set up that Mm. an hour before an interview, it reminds them my text message because we know the text open rate is generally around 97%. It's going to give them that last reminder. If you don't have that solution, there's nothing wrong, especially when you're in 
uh, high volume sector that you need to hire a lot of people. Can they go sing? And just think about, it looks really bad at you as a recruiter. It's not your fault, but I'm just saying what the optics are when the hiring manager is all ready for an interview and the candidate doesn't show up. So you have a vested interest to make sure they show up. The other element that I've done is physically call them and be like, hey, your interview is an hour, excited to talk to you. The hiring managers all get them prime in that sense. But one of the tactics that I've used as well, and I found this from reading an article on how they get people to vote, especially in the US and Canada, everyone wants to drive people to the polls. And obviously, you try to focus on the ones that are going to vote for your party. One of the things they do is they get when they're talking to the potential voter is, oh, so you're going to vote. That's great. Do you know which route you're going to take? And maybe I can help you with the route. So oh, when you I get, get people it. thinking of how they're going to execute, it changes the habit forming in their mind and creates a commitment they're going to do it. Uh, So that's the other element that you can sprinkle in as far as, oh, so your video call is going to be, are are you logging in from your office or is it going to be from the kitchen or just things like that? And then it puts their mindset that they're Mm -hmm. physically doing it and you see that number go high. So that's another tip. Really good. That is really, that is great advice because they're visualizing. It's an old sales strategy. If you can get them to visualize themselves on the call. And I love that idea on the Zoom call. So are you set up to do Zoom? Will you be doing the Zoom interview from your bedroom? Yeah. If so, good idea. Have you made the bed today? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I try not to go in that phase because everyone's home situation is different. But it's um, true. It's true. People really appreciate any sort of tips because they're not doing this for the fun of it. If they're serious about, they seriously want to learn more about the job. They want to meet the hiring manager. And this does mean employment for them or a better job than what they're doing now. And if you can give them the smallest tips of, hey, if you're going to use Zoom over the phone, try setting your phone up in a coffee mug on a box, (laughs) right? So that the camera's not moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the light doesn't change. Candidates appreciate that. Completely. One Zoom video interview tip for everyone or any video interview. There's one thing that you have to make sure. Test it before. Because if you are late to the interview being say, oh, the LinkedIn work or whatever the case is, to me, that's an automatic disqualification compared to 10 minutes before you tell me, hey, I'm having problems with the link. I get a Mm. bad impression if it's the last minute. You can test out the links usually 24 hours before. Make sure it works. Make sure your computer is set up for it because... Like I know when I set up GoToMeeting or other tools, there's always weird things that happen. So I always yeah. test it out. The next topic and the final topic I want to talk about this show, and this was a little bit of a shock to me. Let mm-hmm. me give me you too. the key highlights. So Google came out yesterday and basically said that they're going to start having their employees go back in the office starting in April. Obviously, with the progression of vaccinations in the US, it, it, it's becoming more and more likely that can happen. The other things that really shocked me from it is now employees, if you want to work more than 14 days, you have to basically apply for it, which was interesting because I really thought their culture was driven by being as flexible as possible. Obviously, they have a lot invested in their campus. The reason they invested a lot in their campus is to get people to spend more time at work. It makes sense. And they're looking at basically September 1st is when they're going to be requiring everyone to come in the office without that formal approval of over 14 days. 
So what's your thoughts when you read this? I just thought it's going against the trend of most tech companies. I know. I was shocked too. I really was. I was very surprised that they would take such a firm stand. And I was equally shocked that if you wanted to work remotely, you can. But uh, didn't the article say something about you still have to be within commute distance? Yeah, you wouldn't commute distance. Yeah. And people that have moved, they're going to evaluate them, but their pay might change based on where they're located. Isn't that interesting? I on, on one side of this coin, I get it. If you as an organization have signed a 35-year lease on a building and that building is now empty, you have the same cost. As a company, I can understand it from their perspective, right? Nobody saw this coming. And you've got this incredible campus that is worth probably a trillion dollars. <laughs> like they really went all out, like the whole campus and bring your dog to work and kombucha and three flavors and picking up your dry cleaning. It really was a lifestyle type employer. And to throw that all out because people would rather not tackle the commute or the high cost of housing, it really does leave them at a decision point. I think for employees and they really will, they will vote with their feet. I, I have- agree with that. And it's going to be interesting because it'll, like Google is the holy grail of places to work for a lot of people. We asked the interview questions in different roles that I worked at. If it wasn't here, what would be your ideal place where you can work? And I'll say Google is probably like 50% of the time, the only answer they give, but it'll be interesting because a lot of, Hey, it's a year they've been doing this. A lot of people have, really started to like it. They're, they feel they're more efficient. It's changed your lifestyle, some positive, some mm-hmm. negative. And now they're being forced when you look at the competitors. So Facebook has not done this. Right. So Twitter. in Twitter, most of the mm-hmm. tech companies have not done this. So are they going to see a migration out? I, I really don't know the answer. I just find the whole thing fascinating and I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it. What else was interesting was they actually did reference Goldman Sachs. Yeah. CEO saying that this was just a fad. It was just like everybody back in the office. And I know we talked about it. And is that just an outdated mode of thinking? Or are they still paying trillions of dollars in land holdings and real estate fees for empty buildings. Well, it's funny because I really discounted when Goldman Sachs came out and said that is, of course, because uh, if you put in context of someone working at Goldman Sachs, like this, it, it's a grind. So these people, yes, if you're junior there, is. you're working a hundred hours a yes, week. Yes. And a- old rich CEO that doesn't understand how working from home and how you can be protective and how you can keep an eye on your employees. I discounted in that sense. But then Google makes me rethink of what actual mentality is out there. I think the next year is going to tell us a lot. I think really the future is hybrid. I think it's going to be a combination of both with tons of flexibility. But I've been wrong before. I think once or twice. Uh, Let's see what (laughs) happens on that end. We'll count it on one hand. Let's keep an eye on it. So we've talked a lot of topics. It was a big day. Yeah, we talked a lot today. So hopefully you're getting some knowledge from us. Uh, Shelly always had some knowledge. Some of it is wrong, but that's okay. We still love her. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Perfect. Every you, Audience members can take a side. So thanks for joining us. Love mm. it. Have a great week, Shelly. Yes. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>
Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.